Part twelve of the Fate of the Princes of Dubbard by Kenneth Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Story of Puil and Rhiannon, or the Book of the Three Trials. The third branch of it, and the name of this branch, the coming of Abkilcoid and the Three Trials of Pool Penanun. Three, the machinations of Keridwen Ferrachu and the falling of the sorrow of the Demetians. A year and a day after the hosting of the armies of Malen Rudgochren in the valley of Gorseth Arbeth, the son of Pool and Rhiannon was born. It was easy to see that he was of a line of kings and gods even then. Beautiful was the long golden hair of him, newborn baby as he was. Beautiful were his proud June-blue tearless eyes. There was not a more princely aspected child living, even in the Isle of the Mighty, even in those days. As for a name for him, Rhiannon gave him the name of Prideri. She took her own fillet of golden braid, and fastened it for a belt about his flaxen swaddling clothes. She took a thread of gold, and threaded her own golden ring on it, and tied it round his neck for the talk of his sovereignty. She had had the ring inscribed in the Coilbren characters with this inscription, But the teeth are quelled, there shall be a returning for thee. She called Poole to her. Is it your desire to requite the Demetians? said she. It is known to you that it is my desire, and more than my desire. It may be accomplished, though not easily. If any one were to guard Gorseth Arbeth this day, Cluid ab Hilcoid would lose a great part of his power. It will be the sorrow of my life to leave you. So bitter is the enmity of the Demetians towards you that it is not known whether they would not rise and harm you if I were not here for your protection. I know that their enmity is bitter. I know well how they have been deceived. Yet Pendar and Dovid and Gwaulab Glud and the Tylee will be enough protection for me. As for you, rise not up from the throne on the Gorseth until the dawn of morning, or there will be no staying the falling of many sorrows. It is the third time, said he, sighing, if I were not to obey you now, I should lose you. Better with me would be losing life. They brought Blodwin to him, saddled, and he rode forward sorrowfully through the rain, his mind full of anxiety concerning the hatred of the Demetians and the peril of Rhiannon and Prideri, and of wonder that there should be need for watching on such a day as that. He came to the head of the valley of Gorseth Arberth. On the left side of the road there was a little white-washed cottage there. It drifted in through his musings that he would have seen no cottage there before. Passing, he had a glimpse of a great cauldron steaming over the fire in the cottage, and a wrinkled crone leaning over and stirring it, and of an old countryman that was standing and talking with her. The crone might have been as old as the owl of Cumcaulwid. Three forests might have grown and died since she was born. As for the countryman, Pool would have seen him somewhere, he thought, but it was not known to him where or when. He heeded them little as he rode forward. He came to the head of the hill and dismounted. That was an hour before noon. At first he was for leaving the mare to graze where she would as before, then for sending her back to Arberth and being wholly alone on the hill. 
blood winfach said he it will be best for thee to seek the stable she put down her white nose sadly nuzzling his hands he lifted her beautiful head and kissed her between the eyes yes yes he said it will be better for thee to leave me now he remembered how he had mounted her the year before to ride down against the host he thought was cluitz she stood there in sorrow for a moment but it had never happened to her to disobey him she neighed and went down towards the road and he saw her gallop off through the rain towards arberth it was hard for him not to be filled with mourning when she disappeared it was hard for the tears to remain without falling from his eyes he took his place on the throne and as he did so his mind went back to the two that were in the cottage and his thoughts were filled with spoken words that it seemed to him he would have heard from them though he had been without knowing at the time that he had heard anything as for what the words were they were these the trial will be to-night said the one shamrock mistletoe vervain and nettles they will all be needed in the cauldron if there is no failing and again in answer to that shamrock mistletoe vervain and nettles nettles and nettles nettles and nettles nothing has been forgotten that may be needed and again when will it be ready and by midnight it will be ready much more will it be ready by dawn until noon there was no driving that conversation out of his mind the slow soft rain was falling and grey mists came down over the mountains and filled the valley by noon they were in a ring about him and no seeing for his eyes beyond the level ground on the hilltop it would have been an hour after midday or more than that when suddenly he heard a footstep and keredig calcum tyvi stepped out of the mist one moment and pool was alone the next and there was keredig standing before him no sound of hoofbeats had come up from the road there had been no sound until that last footstep of any one ascending the hill lord said keredig if keredig it was pendarin dyvid sent me barely would you have been a mile beyond the gates of the city when the men of arbeth rose up against the queen beyond that madog and daniel and catog and gwilton have come in with an army and the men of thy tyli are at great labour defending the palace it will be the worst of evils if you do not return poole remembered the unfathomable machinations of the immortal kindred and did not stir or seem to heed in a little while the other went as silently and suddenly as he had come an hour passed or maybe more than an hour and the south-west wind rose riotously and drove away the mists the slant cold rain fell beating and driving against poole stinging his face and no cessation from it he heard a call from the road and saw a man dismount there and vault over the stile and come hurrying up the hillside einian arth kennen he was or had the guise of einian then than whom except pendarin himself and keredig cum tyvi there would be hardly a better man in the tyli full of sorrow and anxiety was his face as he came if the first news had been bad the second was much worse over fifty of the tyli he said had been slain and pendarin dyvid with them it was rhiannon herself that had sent him praying her lord would return puil looked at him and saw that his mantle was not wet 
and his helmet barely spotted with the rain ah he thought subtle are the devices of the immortals in the hour of making trial i must hasten back said Ainian. no one can be spared woe is me for the princess on account of this silence and reluctance in returning Puil watched him go without having stirred to heed or breathed to answer him but his grief and anxiety were not without their increasing with what he had heard an hour would have passed after that again when he heard the beating of eager hoofs along the road and saw a horseman riding furiously from the head of the valley it will be myrig muin of bronwyd he thought or one of the immortals in the guise of myrig few among the men of the tyli were better than myrig in a little while he was at the hilltop although keredig had stepped so suddenly out of the mist and although the mantle of Ainian had been unmarked with rain there was no doubt of the riding that this man had made and no doubt that he had passed through as much rain as would have fallen between that and arberth beyond that he opened his cloak and beneath it sheltering was a bird that had the whole likeness of the last left of the singers of peace the queen sent her for a token said myrig if myrig it was then he gave puil the message rhiannon had sent him at the time of his leaving arberth there were no more than a score of the tyli left alive they had made a truce with the demetians until he should return with news concerning puil for here is what the demetians were saying that the king had been enspelled by rhiannon and was lost by that time in some dim region out of the world unless you come back now said he undoubtedly they will destroy the queen the twenty that remained for her protection he said would never last until nightfall against the thousands that opposed them bad was the news indeed but here is what was worse the one that had the guise of adan fwynach or it may have been adan fwynach herself there was no knowing at that time flew to the back of the throne and perched there and raised up such a music of lamentation as it had never fallen on pool to hear until then as he listened to it the entire sorrow of the world drifted down bitterly and drearily upon his mind all that he had been hearing it seemed to him might well be true there were the machinations of the immortals indeed and the promise he had given to rhiannon and yet here was word from herself bidding him forsake the watching and come and all this concerning the uprising of the people was no more than what was to be looked for when he came away in the morning he had known the peril of it then by heaven thought he she too is of the immortal kindred she would not fear the demetians he turned his eyes and mind away from the messenger and got a little peace binding his soul down to the watching it was not long before the man that had been speaking to him went his way but the bird stayed there and did not cease from her singing and if ever he might forget the watching for a moment or his complete trust in the power of the queen the song flowed in upon him like the springtide in the estuary and the froth and the foam of it grief and anxiety sorrow and doubt and weariness of spirit at the end of another hour or a little more than that he saw ten men riding along the road from arberth he heard their laughter as they came madog and daniel catog and gwiltin were there and the six that were with them although demetians 
had become but little better than themselves. Before they reached the hilltop, the bird flew from the throne. He saw one of them loose an arrow at her, but the arrow missed its mark. Lord, said one of the Demetians, if you desire to save the life of the woman you made queen, it will be well for you to return quickly with us. Pool made him no answer. Lord, said another of them, it is said that the Enchantress has put spells upon you. If it be true that she has, the Demetians will destroy her to avenge you. We have come here to learn whether it is true or not. Pool made him no answer. Then Daniel Drug said, You see how it is with him. The spells are on him, or he would answer. If the spells are on him now, said Gwilting Gwaithafol, they will not always be on him. If ye will take my counsel, his head should be carried with us into Arberth. Then would he never have vengeance upon us for the loss of his wife. Let a better trial be made to arouse him, said one of the Demetians. It was Iniel Istwith, and he was a man that would never do anything unless a thousand had done it before him. The like of killing one's own lord has not been heard of among the people of this island. Catagwaith laughed. Yes, yes, he said. I will make the trial. He threw back his cloak, revealing that which was beneath it. Lord, said he, if it is in your power to break the spells, save the life of this child. Pool Penannan did not bow his head. He did not cover his face with his hands. Proud was his aspect, and he, gazing out over the valley, without appearance of hearing or heeding them. There should be no failure with him this time, but there was no hindering his vision from what it saw. The child had the guise of his son, Prideri. No one that had seen it would not have known. There was the golden fillet bound about its swaddling clothes, Rhiannon's fillet. There was the golden thread round its neck, and Rhiannon's ring tied to it. There was the beauty of golden hair, and the eyes with sea-blueness in them. It stretched out its baby arms to him, laughing and fearless. Would he not know his son by that? How was he not to believe that which he saw? He knew well how they hated him, and how they hated the queen. He knew their nature. He heard the baby laughter turn into one sharp, wailing cry. The whole sorrow of the world was multiplied upon him. More bitterly piercing was the sound than anything he had known during his life. It took nothing from his grief that he remembered the machinations of the immortals making trial of him. He heard clearly the laughter of Catog and Gwilton and Daniel. He heard Iniel and the Demetians groan. But there should be no failing from him this third time. And now, said Gwilton, where the child is gone, it would be folly not to send its father also. Six of them answered, He was our lord at one time. He did not turn or bow his head. His eyes did not quiver from their gazing out over the valley. The bitterness of the trial would be over for him. He would desire no better meeting with the Margan that greets the dead than to come to her from obeying the behests of Rhiannon. Proudly he looked forth, not heeding them, expecting the stroke of liberation. Were he free and his sword drawn, they would none of them long be living men. Without turning, he saw Gwiltin draw and rush towards him, and Madog strike up Gwiltin's blade with his own at the moment of its falling. Stop, said the Krintach. Stop you now and consider caution. There is Tyrnian Torfliant, 
and there is the crowned king in london even the king of tara in ireland was his friend not one of us would escape if harm befell him whoever it might be he was said Catog. it would be desirable to destroy him if it were not for caution it will be easier for us to defend ourselves against him than against the whole of the island of the mighty and island that is true said they it will be better to leave him poole heard their hoof-beats along the road and their laughter and quarrelling as they went then the bird adan fwinach if it were she indeed flew back to her perch and began her singing again it was ten times more mournful than at first like slowly drifting snowflakes in the dusk her cold piercing grievous notes floated in upon his soul sorrow grew and grew upon him as the day grew one towards evening he had obeyed indeed there was no accusing him of weakness or faltering but it was unknown to him whether he had done well to obey or whether he had done worse than ill doubt came down upon him drop by drop note by note with the chill lonely music there was Pridery, there was the fate of rhiannon herself there was the whole sorrow that would fall on the demesians would it not have been better and would it not have been better to have disobeyed dusk fell dimly he could see what seemed to be the slain form of the child where they had thrown it he did not rise he did not stir from the throne the grey wet gloom deepened the oneness of evening ebbed into darkness swift and cold and slanting the raindrops beat upon him shrill and desolate was the wailing of the wind dark was the night rain-swept with never the gleam of a star beyond this gloom were the immortals he had obeyed them it should not be said that he accused them let them raise up truth and fantasy against him which they would what should be stable in the islands of the mighty unless the bright ones could find princes upon whom to depend fantasy indeed it might all have been the three warriors and then madog and his men and the cry of the child Pridari. only less painful in his heart would have been the poisoned steel than the memory of the baby laughter the sudden wailing cry he could hear it in the notes of adenfuinach more bitter more poignant more coldly mournful always seven times he drove her from the throne but she only circled above his head screaming and returned it appeared to him that it would none of it have been fantasy his son would have been slain before his eyes his kingship had withered away the wars that were waiting him would be joyless and his own land out before him for destroying and ah Rhiannon, Rhiannon. in penganion he had prepared this and when the armies of marlen were hosted in the valley there who should be accused except himself as for the queen wisdom and compassion would wane from the island of the mighty from such a world as this she could but proudly pass to her own realm so grief rose about his being like the tides of the sea about a rock on the shore like the tides of a grey sea about the rocks of a barren sunless shore what hope he had had that all might have been trial and illusion was covered away from his vision as the sea wave hides the sky from the drowning now he would be half angry that he should have made such a promise to rhiannon 
leaving her on the day her son was born. Now he would be half angry that he should have been bound to keep it, holding himself away in peace on the hilltop, when such wars were raging in the city. Darker was his mind than the night, more bitter his hopelessness than the bitter wind. Through the rain and the riot of wind and the storm of his thoughts, the slow, ghostly bird-music fell about him, one piercing, bitterly grievous. A sound of galloping came up from the road, and of chariot-wheels. They stopped at the foot of the hill. Someone with a lantern came hurrying towards him. It was Gwaul Ab Clud, or had the guise of Gwaul. Lord, said he, the princess is here, and the Demesians of Madog are making pursuit of her. She entreats you that you will not abandon her to her foes. He started from the throne, almost, when those words were out on the air of the night. But remembrance gleamed up palely in his mind. He had promised. He had been warned. The immortals already had made marvellous trials of him. With a groan he stayed himself. Indeed, to God he would bide there until the dawn. Lord, said Gwaul, if it was Gwaul, listen to the galloping of the horses of the pursuers. From far off along the road, already he could hear dimly the beating of innumerable hoofs that grew louder and louder and nearer always. Lord, said Gwaul, very quietly, and the slow tears falling from the two eyes of him, for the sake of the daughter of Hephaith Hen, and the warfare you waged when you won her from me. He knew Gwaul. He knew there was no one loftier of soul than he was. He could not doubt that it was he was speaking, yet he maintained his silence. He did not stir from the throne. Then Gwaul turned and bowed his head and mourned. Puil heard the sobs shaking him. Better if she had gone with me at first, said Gwaul. This world is not fit for the immortals. Ah, Rhiannon, Rhiannon, he mourned, you the pride and jewel of the gods. Did I not foretell that sorrow would come? It would have been better if you had taken the queenhood I desired that you should take. It is not that I would have been deaf when you called. So Poole heard him mourning as he departed, as he made his way back to the one that was waiting in the chariot in the road. Well known to Puil was the son of Clud, well honoured by him was his royal and lofty soul. It was not possible that the messenger should have been anyone but Gwaul. It was not possible that Gwaul should have spoken falsely or without wisdom. He sat there as he had sat since noon, unstirring, proud of mien, his gaze fixed on the darkness beyond the valley. Then he heard the voice of Rhiannon herself. It was impossible to doubt that it was she who was speaking. The words came up to him from the road, but even then he did not stir. "'Bring you me to him,' she was saying. "'It will be better for me to die if he will not help me.' Two men came, carrying lanterns, and supporting the queen between them. In the little glare of the lanterns he saw her, her face whiter than ivory, and she kneeling before him. He felt her arms about his knees, and heard her prayers and beseechings. It was impossible for him to doubt that she was his own wife. "'Lord,' she said, "'I could not foresee this when I sent you forth to watch this morning. The harm was done before this. 
watching would have no power to prevent it cluid ab kilcoid is stronger than the gods my immortality is gone since the child was born if you do not come with me there will be no saving either you or me the tears fell from his eyes faster than the mist drops from the poplar leaves in autumn ah that this grief should have fallen on you he said ah that the child prideri should have been slain with that her wailing rose on the night he felt the dropping of her innumerable tears he is slain and ah he is slain she cried the little frame that was prepared for a god the blue eyes and the golden hair i could not foresee and ah i could not foresee she cried all my magic is withered since the morning he had lifted her from the ground and stood supporting her indeed some change and loss of divinity had befallen her who wrung from him pity now where before she had had his reverence come she said swift must be our going it is possible that i may yet bring you to the country of the immortals they went down the hillside together the men following them take you your place in the chariot said he i myself will wait here for the demesians it would be foolishness said guaulab clud not scores they will be but thousands that will be the better said pool then the queen said if you desire to requite me for what has befallen through cluid you would come in the chariot with that he took his place beside her sorrow and shame were heavy upon him as he took it the wind died down and the rain stopped as they moved forward it happened to him to turn and look back towards gorseth arberth the moon had risen dimly and was shining through a thin place of clouds above the throne he saw a shadow rise and heard the rush of winds it swept out darkening on the one moonlight and was lost beyond the hills towards arberth doubt came upon him like a sudden cold wind what shadow was that said he it was cluid ab kilcoid passing towards the palace said the one at his side the chariot was moving more swiftly than anything can move without wings it was unknown to pool whether it was along the roadway or through the air they were moving for what reason will he be passing there said he all the injury in the world he has already worked us it will not be possible for him to do more it will be possible said she passing towards the stealing of prideri he is he will be free to steal him while the watchers are asleep there was no sound or trace of wailing in her voice but loftiness but the age of the world but lone illimitable wisdom he turned towards her the sorrow in his mind was driven forth by wonder and confusion unknown now unfamiliar to him wholly was the veiled august one at his side prideri is slain said he there will be no watchers not so she answered the tiley under penderan were watching in the palace and their hundred wives were guarding the cradle of prideri but sleep came upon every eye in Duvard as soon as there was a rising up from watching on the throne on yonder hill sleep came not upon rhiannon sleep never would have come upon rhiannon rhiannon is not there she said in the withfa 
with hugh gadarn is her place this night there is no wind that blows in march that can move as swiftly as that chariot was moving for the sake of the whole race and kindred of the cymry turn the chariot towards arberth there is going forward but never going back it would be impossible to turn the chariot before him he could see the backs of the horses rippling and glimmering wanly in the darkness their long manes as they tossed their heads or strained them forward were faintly shining like the midnight wave huger they were than the hugest stallions no sound of hoof-beats rose from their passaging who art thou princess that hast made this trial of me a strange light shone from her she stood in the chariot extreme in her radiant majesty the trees of the woodland would not have concealed her she could not have hidden among the mountains grander was her beauty than the gleam of the sunset from among thunder-clouds at one moment she seemed more ancient than the forest at another younger than the apple-bloom in april than the young sedge by the stream-side in the early spring as for the chariot Puel could see then that it was moving through the playground of the lightnings i am keridwen the daughter of hugh she said i and keridwen foster-mother of the immortals and queen of all the green things in the world with that name and memory and all strength and thought ebbed from him in a dreamless slumber he passed with her to her own palace in the heart of the world end of part 12